Hello, and welcome to Books Baby, reading the rainbow and the occasional straight white man. This episode may contain spoilers about the plot of the book we're discussing. Welcome to Books Baby, where we're reading The Rainbow and the Occasional Straight White Man. Today is the last episode of our season three, and it is a very special episode for me because we are talking about my favorite Australian book, Boy Swallows Universe by Trant Dalton and his adaptation to the very successful Netflix series with the same title. We also have a very special guest, Sanj, which is a fellow bookstagrammer and it's here with us. Sanj, do you want to tell a little bit about yourself and your the books that you like to read to our listeners? Hello, I'm Sanj, uh, unofficial bookstagrammer still because I don't post just about books. Uh, enjoy reading most types of books and I think but my favourites are probably literary fiction, contemporary fiction, um, and then I also read a bit of, um, you know, thrillers and crime as my light reads. Um, and uh, short stories are the other thing that I really enjoy writing. So, yeah, that's a little bit about me. Thanks for joining on into this episode. Uh, we love having other readers to, to share their perspective with us. And before we dive into Boy Swallows universe, I just want to hear a little bit about uh, what do you think about book adaptations into TV series or movies? Are you one of those who love your books being adapted into the screen or you really prefer that to not happen? Um, who wants to start? Maybe Beth? Yeah, I think they've been hit and misses for me. But in recent years, they have gotten better, I think. So, but when I was young, I was really scarred by the adaptation of Aragon. I don't know if you remember that. I loved the book when I was like 10, got adapted to a terrible movie. And I didn't trust adaptations for a very long time after that. I don't know if anyone else remembers that movie. I don't, but I, I've had similar experiences with some of my favourite books. And I think I'm like you. I, for a very long time, I was very scared of watching a movie based on one of my favourite books because so many of them are just, I don't know, even if it's good, it's still, they just change things. Like, you know, you've imagined it in your mind a certain way. Maybe the cast didn't look the way that you picture them or they change the location or they just cut out one of your favourite characters for no apparent reason. Yeah, it, it's sort of slightly, you have to take a big leap of faith when you, when you watch an adaptation. I think I, I agree with Bev. Um, I think in recent years it's gotten a lot better. And I do wonder whether it's because we're no longer just adapting them into movies and rather we're doing the TV series, which I think lends, like books lend themselves well to that. And so you don't have to cut out too much. Um, so, yeah, so I think early, early years, teenage years, the few, you know, books that were turned into movies, I did not really enjoy them. But then more recently, I think I have quite liked a fair few that I have seen. Uh, and yeah, and I do prefer the fact that, yeah, they're in a limited series format as well. Yeah, we are in the golden age of television. And yeah, the quality is really high, isn't it? So when they get it right, they really get it right. And I think it has to do with what you say, Sanj, that it's now because but they're doing limited series instead of a movie so they have the option of not cutting many things out but also with the streaming services i feel like they 
suddenly can't do an episode that is 45 minutes long and then the next one can be 30 minutes or an hour and then they have more freedom to adapt books into what they need and that has been great for us and I also think for literature because then more people are reading again because they want to read the book before the movie adaptation or the series in this case or have seen the series and want to see if if the series lives up to the book or vice versa and thinking of that are you that kind of people that if you see that um a series based on a book is coming out would you read the book first or would you wait and, and read the book? I think it would depend what the subject matter is. Like if it's a fairly literary book, I'd rather read it first. I think because I don't like reading the book with already a concept of what the characters look like or, or you know, what the settings look like. I, I like to just imagine that for myself. But if it's something that... Um, you know, it's maybe a romance or a comedy or something like that. Maybe I wouldn't get around to reading it anyway. So I'd watch the series just so I don't miss out completely. And then if I like the series, then I'll pick up the book later on. I think I almost always have read the book first before watching the series. Just I think because the book will find my its way to me first um, rather than the adapted screenplay. But Dune was a movie that I watched the movie and then I had to go back to read the book because um, I didn't understand a lot of it. So it motivated me to go back to read it. Dune is a movie that I saw without reading the book and made me realize that I don't want to read that book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. and, and that's the thing, isn't it? Like I would, I prefer reading the book before I watch the movie or the series, uh, but it would depend. Like if it's not something I'm going to read anyway, then I'd rather just watch the TV series. And so sci-fi is one of those things. I really struggle a lot with sci-fi. Um, and yeah, so I'll just watch the movie or the TV show before it. Um, and I don't think, so my partner made me watch The Advance a couple of years ago. Um, and, we, and that's apparently nine books or something. Watch the series, which is all fine. It never made me want to go back, go and read the books, though. So, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. And I'm a bit like Ian in the sense that sometimes I don't want to see the adaptations because when I read the book, I casted already actors for the characters or uh, locations and stuff like that. But on the other side, if I hear that one of my favorite actors is doing a show, or a movie based on a book, I was like, oh, I need to read the book. And I start reading the book with that person in my mind. Um, and I guess the best example of that is Leave the World Behind. Like a couple of years ago, I read that Julia Roberts was doing the movie adaptation of that book. And I wouldn't have picked up that book if Julia wasn't involved in, in the movie. And while I was reading the book, I was like, oh, yeah, this character perfectly suits Julia Roberts. Um, Did you like that movie? Because I read the book and it was quite good, um, but I can't, I just can't picture it as an adaptation. I like, I think it's very different from the book, actually. Like it just has the essence of the book, but um, yeah, I like it, but I like, I'm biased. Like I like everything Julia Roberts is in it. Um, yeah, probably won't see it again, but yeah. I like. I was going to say, speaking of favorite actresses, um, I know both of you, and I don't know Sanch, if you like it. You both love the hours, and you love the hours adaptation as well. Did the book 
for you come before the adaptation or um, did Meryl Streep come first? For me, it was actually Nicole Kidman at that time. So I heard that the that Nicole was involved in the movie. So I read the book and I think I said that in an episode that I um, couldn't find a copy on Spanish of the book. So The Hours was the first ever English book that I completely read. And um, and I loved it. And I think it's a great, great adaptation. I haven't read the book since maybe 2001, 2002. And I haven't seen the movie in a long time, but I, I'm very keen to reread the book and rewatch the film. I'm glad you brought that one up because, um, so I watched the movie when it was released. I, I didn't know when that was, 2002 probably. And I only got around to reading the book last year. So, you know, it had been more than 20 years between. So um, I'd forgotten the movie enough to have a completely new experience with the book. Uh, and then knowing that we were going to record this podcast, I decided to watch the movie again last week. And yeah, I would say as usual, I liked the book much better, um, mostly just because his prose is so beautiful. Um, they're just, there are so many passages in that book that I just, you know, I just want to highlight them or print them out and put them up on the wall or something. They're just gorgeous. Uh, and the movie's great, and I love the soundtrack, and I, the, the actresses are all really good. Um, so they're both good in their own different ways, but gosh, I love that book. Thinking about other movies or TV shows that have been adapted from books that you like, what are some of those, and why did you like them? I'll start with that. <laughs> I can tell you what I really like. So in terms of... Um, adaptations that I've really liked. Normal People has got to be my, one of my top ones. Uh, I don't know if any of you watched that. That was during those during those lockdown years, um, Stan subscription. And yeah, no, I thought they did a really good job. Normal People was a book I loved when I read back in, I don't know, 2017, 2018. 2018. Um, and yeah, and I was really scared for the adaptation because when they said they were going to make it, I was excited, but then also like, oh, they're going to ruin my one of my favorite books. But no, it really lived up to it. And I thought that was a really good one. Um, so yeah, so if, if I had to like pick one favorite, that was probably one of the best. Um, the other one, I think that's done a really good job, Perks of Being a Wallflower. They did a really good adaptation of the movie for that one too. Um, again, I think it was years ago, but I do remember Emma Watson in it. Um, and it was really well done. Um, again, like, you know, the book, it's a quiet little book, uh, with lots of shocks in it. Um, but yeah, I thought the adaptation was tr pretty true to the book from memory as well. Um, so yeah, so those two are probably the ones that stand out in my mind as like good adaptations of books I've enjoyed. That's, those uh, are great, Sanj. We're going to have a controversial discussion in a couple of minutes when we talk about our least favorite. But before we go dive into our least favorite adaptations, uh, Ian, what has been some what, what have been some of your favorites? Okay, so. Just recently, I started finally watching um, Olive Kitteridge, and uh, I haven't finished it yet, but oh my gosh, it's so good. Um, Frances McDormand is just amazing, and she just nails all those little quirks of olives. Um, and it's sort of like an anthology series in, in the way that the book um, focuses on her from different perspectives, different characters coming and going. So it, it feels like, oh, okay, and now we've got a new perspective of her this week. Uh, and it's just beautifully shot and beautifully acted and I'm, I'm really enjoying it. So that's my current favorite. Um, in Where terms of films, it? oh, I think it's on binge. Oh, great. Um, in terms of films, because like we were saying earlier, often 
films are not as good because you have to cut things out, but, but one that I think worked really, really well and is sort of a long-term favourite of mine, both the book and, and the movie, is The Remains of the Day, um, which I think in the movie they, they just they did beautifully capture the, the quietness, I suppose, of the novel. You know, it's all very internal in the novel and it's hard to capture that in a movie, um, but it, it really moves along with his story just very quietly and, and his, yeah, his reflections on the past. I thought it was really well done. And of course, Emma Thompson is amazing in anything. What about you, babe? I think my favourite is North and South. So it's, I think it's like a 20 year anniversary of it recently, which is, I can't believe it's been that long. North and South is a very wordy novel and the adaptation kind of cuts through it um the wordiness and just keeps the good bit and obviously for anyone who's ever watched it the end scene or the end episode of that um is gorgeous it's a train scene there's so much longing great chemistry between the leads so i rewatched that every year we should have ended with this question because it would have been the great um leading to or my interview but i think my favorite adaptation is boys follows universe but everyone knows here that I'm obsessed with the book and I was obsessed with the um, with this series adaptation. So I'm going to hold my horses and not t- talk much about that and keep it for the next part of this episode. But I will start a little bit of a controversy here with our least favorite adaptations because I'm going to say Normal People for me was a terrible adaptation. I don't think it's a terrible that. adaptation. I think it was terribly... Thanks for joining us, Sanch. Uh, just if you could show yourself out now. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I'm going to explain why. Like, I think um, it was miscast in the sense of um, Daisy Edgar Jones is very, very beautiful. And I feel like Marianne in the, in the novel was described as a very average uh, kind of uh, ugly dog person. And for me, it took me out of the of the story from the beginning and I just couldn't get into the fact that she is so beautiful and the character was not described that way in the book and it's a shame because if I I did finish it but I will have to credit uh Paul Mescal ass for that because he would show his ass in most episodes I'm gonna gonna jump in and defend you I, in the book, doesn't Marianne sort of blossom when they go to college and, and she is suddenly beautiful and, or, I don't know about beautiful, but she's more popular and outgoing and, yeah, I, I don't know, yeah. I, and I, think, I think any, I, mean, any, I was just going to say, I think any book where they talk about the female character being plain or, or whatever, you do an adaptation and they're always a beautiful actress. Yes. Yeah. 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 But I'll jump in and just say I didn't think normal people was great either. I don't know. I just I found it a bit boring. And I don't know why it worked for me so well in print, but the the TV series I just really struggled to get through. Except Paul Mescal was very nice to look at, obviously. And what I think it is a little bit because it's very um character driven the novel. I think like it's one of those novels where there's not like big events or big moments, but it's more about the characters discovering themselves. I think for me, the series would have um, worked really well if instead of the um, Daisy Edgar Jones, uh, Shorsha 
Ronnie, or like I, I can't pronounce her name, was casted in the role of Marianne because she's more, um, she's still very pretty, but still more like more not Hollywood kind of looking girl. Um, and it's Irish. So she's just to... gorgeous. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, I think it, she is very pretty, but not like in a Hollywood kind of style, if that makes any sense. I guess she's Irish. <laughs> she's Irish, so that would have worked. Yes. <laughs> I feel like we've all ganged up on you now. It's terrible, but isn't it great? I'll leave. I'll leave. It's fine. (laughs) No, isn't it great, though, that we can have just different opinions? Like, everyone sees things so differently, and um, I think it's great that it worked for you when it was one of your favourite books, because that's quite rare. Um, I'm going to jump in with one that I really disliked, um, which was Station Eleven, Um, and... In all honesty, I didn't finish the series. Maybe it got better as it went along, but I had loved that book and I just felt like I had no idea what was going on in the series. It just was a hot mess of just timelines and, yeah, chaos. Um, so I gave up in probably episode three or something. Now it's your time, Sanj, to, uh, <laughs> to throw one that you don't like. And Tell us how much you hated Olive uh, Kitteridge. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> No, actually, no, I haven't even read that yet or watched it. So, yeah, at some point I'll read it first because I do have the book. Uh, no, I was trying to think of my least favourite. And I think but the one I didn't, oh, I didn't hate it, but Big Little Lies. Um, so I loved the book. I read it years ago, I think, whenever it had come out years ago, before all the bookstagram hype and before Reese Witherspoon caught on to it. And it was like one of those unputdownable books. Um, I stayed up, to, I remember staying up till 3 a.m. reading it. Um, but then, yeah, like when the show came out, I just really disliked that they made it American and that really pissed me off. <laughs> so as, I, I do think the actors actually did a good job in the end. And I just recently watched season two, which they've made as well. Um, but I still disliked it just on the premise that it was such an Australian book. It was, you could picture it being set on the northern beaches of Sydney. Uh, you know, there was all of that there. And just the way they made it so Americanized, I just, yeah, it, it that bit I just didn't like. Um, so, yeah, so if I had to say something I didn't like, it would have been that, but I begrudgingly watched the whole series at that time and obviously the second season too. So yeah. I completely agree with you. I thought the book was uh, like a page turner. I, I couldn't stop reading it, which is funny because normally the other books of hair, I find it like a bit of lit, uh, trash lit, and I still read them, I enjoy them, but this one I thought it was, great written lots of mystery the characters were really well and in the series the actress actresses do a great job but the fact that it was made in america was so annoying when the show was sorry the book was so australian like i agree with you like that was uh for me a miss in the show what about you babe what's um i'm gonna give one where uh i'm gonna give one where i hate it the, I hated a movie adaptation of One Day, but I think, Sanch, you were talking about, like, the form of the TV being more forgiving, and I think they've recently re-adapted One Day again, and it's so much better because it allows the story room to breathe, uh, and also, I think, to your point, Anne Hathaway was, like, too pretty like too graceful and terrible Yorkshire accent for the original role and I think um Ambika who takes the role of Emma in the new series has just the like perfect amount of like sass and like vulnerability that I and like you know 
being actually awkward that I didn't get from Anne Hathaway. So, um, yeah, I don't know if you've got any series that have been readapted in recent times, but can be like saved, I think. Yes, I haven't read One Day or watched any of it, but I've been hearing the hype around the current series, so maybe someday. (laughs) The main topic of this episode is the series adaptation of Boy Swallows Universe, which is the debut novel by the Australian writer Trent Dalton, and it was published in 2018, and it's a semi-biographical coming-of-age novel about um, Ellie Bell, who is a traumatized teenager with an absent father who lives with um, his brother who decided to go silent um, and just write stuff with his finger. His stepfather and his mother are heroin dealers and it's set in the 80s in Brisbane and yeah and recently Netflix released this the series adaptation on a limited series that has been a world phenomenon and been successful all around the world and here we are in this little podcast talking about it uh, too so before I let my fanatism show, uh, what did you think about the book and about the the series adaptation? I'll go first because we've disagreed about Trent Dalton in the past, Alo, and I, you're very grace gracious for not holding it against me. Um, but I yeah, I didn't like what was his second book? I forgot the name of it now. The one about the grave digger girl in, in Brisbane, a Darwin. Yes, Elijah Marine Skies. Um, but Boy Swallows Universe, I thought was really good. I read it maybe a couple of years after all the hype had died down. And it did take me a little while to get into. I, I there's something quite unique about his voice, isn't there? It takes a little bit of getting used to. Uh, but once I was into it, it was really gripping. And it was, yeah, um, it just all works. You know, the magical realism, the the crazy escaping from prison sort of yarn and uh, it feels very Aussie, but it's also quite um, big-hearted. And I like the setting of Brisbane in the 80s. Uh, so, yeah, it all worked for me. And I, I liked the adaptation, but I'll, I'll stop talking now and let others have a say. So I read this book. I, I still remember vividly. I read it. I, I think I read it before the hype, like before it got really big, because I still remember after I read the book, I went to see him at a Dimmick's talk and there were like 20 people there that was it uh, more recently when I went to see him a whole church was filled out so anyway that should tell you something um, but anyway just going back to the book um, yeah I, I saw it I think on, on the shelves and I was like oh this looks interesting cool cover and uh, I remember trying to read it we were we picked it for our book club and none of the other people ended up finishing the book and um, I <laughs> I started it and I actually quite struggled so I hear what you're saying Ian like it does it, it took a while to sort of get into it for me and I'm not used to so I'm not used to magical realism I don't read like as a teenager I read fantasy and stuff like that but I don't read much fantasy and so that magical realism stuff was a bit hard to get into but I can't remember what at what point exactly I think maybe I was three or four chapters in and somehow I just got sucked into it. And I remember sitting one entire Saturday morning, m- meaning to go to the gym, but just sitting on my couch, reading and finish the whole book in like the next three hours or something like that. Um, so it was one of those where I was like, holy shit, like it was such an adventure. Eli Bell was just, I don't know, his, the character was just, you, yeah, 
it was frustrating while at the same time you you felt so much compassion towards him the side characters everything like you know I yeah just totally got caught up in the whole adventure and it's a very yeah it, it is a very Australian book and as someone who also didn't grow up here by the way so you know didn't grow up here uh didn't live in the 80s or 90s here it still just painted such a lovely picture of Australia um yeah like what's and all let's face it um but you know it was it was really good to sort of read that and just be immersed in that world so yeah I I had really enjoyed the book back then um and just where it took me and yeah and so more recently watching the series after almost yeah a gap of five years um it was interesting to watch it and uh quite enjoyed it I think it uh yeah it stayed pretty true to the book in many ways um and I liked yeah I liked what I saw <laughs> uh, I did not cry though which was interesting I cried when I read the book I did not cry when I watched the series so go figure <laughs> so I, I watched the tv series first and then uh read the books so I did it in reverse I think it was good that I did it that way because I think I would have struggled like you uh, uh Ian and Zanch because the um start of it the child's protagonist voice got was a little bit to get used to. And I think it reminded me a little bit of um Isabel Lande. I think I felt like it used a lot of like the same tropes, like um, you know, thus being a mute and then communicating and being able to see other worlds. Um, and I remember struggling the same with Alande's like earlier novels, something like that. But yeah, I same I felt that the backdrop of Brisbane was written brilliantly. I really liked the middle bit. Um and the the ending's batshit insane. Like it's um it was yeah I did not expect it to go that way and I I still don't know how I really feel about it. I felt like it was the only part where I felt like I wish this was kind of a straight memoir because I don't really know why this ending is the way it is. <laughs> so yeah, overall like mix. I went high and low. I think with it. Um and I think with the adaptation, actually adapted it quite beautifully. Like um love Phoebe Tonkin's um they did the magic realism stuff really well but hello <laughs> your floor of what what where what else we want to talk about there uh I agree I think it uh for me I guess growing in Latin America where lat uh, magical realism is in most of the books like or biggest writers do magical realism I was used to that style and that's what helped me connect to um to the story Plus, I I feel like uh, Trent writes very beautiful, very beautifully, but the book for me became very special because I agree it's very Australian, but also has this magical realism part. And as a migrant, it made me connect to Australia in a way that I hadn't done, and see how this country is in many ways similar to the place where I come from, which was something that I really really liked I did struggle when I was reading in terms of all the uh, slang and very Australian terms but I after watching the series I reread the book and it was so much easier now to like um, get into the book the understanding the language and I went to Brisbane before the show was released for strange reasons I went to this very random neighborhood in the outside of the CBD in Brisbane and I was like oh this is exact this exactly looks exactly like uh what Trent Dalton describes in Boy Swallows Universe so I feel like it did he did such a great job um on that and in the series adaptation as well and I think one of the biggest assets of this series 
was the cast. I think the cast was done brilliantly, but what do you guys think about that? Uh, I agree. The cast was amazing, um, particularly the young boy that plays Eli at the start. He was just a standout. But I liked all of them. I, you said, was it Phoebe Tonkin? Is that the mother? She was very good as well. And um, the elder son, Gus. I did have some problems, and I think Aloe was talking to you about this online, that at the start, um, I felt like Gus was too old. They made him, like, I mean, he's an 18-year-old actor, and he's probably supposed to be playing a 12-year-old or something. So it just, I was a bit distracted by that but then they did sort of age him fairly well for the second half so you could tell that he had aged when they swapped to the second Eli. For me and you know of the four of us I'm probably the only one that was in Australia in the 80s. What was great was all the cars like seeing the old cars and I'm like oh I remember my brother had that car or um, you know and the stubby shorts and the singlets and just yeah the fashion. Uh, it was all very nostalgic for me and I thought it, it all looked really authentic. I didn't grow up in Brisbane, but I grew up, you know, in a country town that was probably fairly similar to the suburb that they were in. We didn't have the drug dealers though, as far as I'm aware, <laughs> I was very sheltered. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the cast. And you know what I was thinking was that, um, I remember when I read the book, you know, the ending, it, like Bev says, is pretty batshit crazy. Um, but I remember thinking at the time, like, oh, this is, it's like, it's really weird how it's just become like he's writing a film script now. It just, it does suddenly change tone and it becomes this big action sequence. And, and I thought, oh, well, that's going to be a very good movie at some point. And uh, I think it worked well on the screen. Just going to say, I agree. Like the casting was just brilliant. Um, I think having uh, Brian Brown as Slim, I could, like without even realising, I think while reading it, maybe I had pictured someone like that. And so, yeah, so he was perfect. And same with Anthony LaPaglia um as titus um that was brilliant too but yeah the the kid what's his name felix felix cameron oh he was just amazing uh as eli i think he just yeah his yeah just added so much depth to it i think everyone was really good on, on the show um and yeah i think it just it it they did a great job and I think they did credit to the book when you think about it because yeah like I've been rereading after the series and now I can only picture everyone on the show uh while reading it but again it fits really well and you can really picture them all you know speaking this way and doing all the things I think yeah really enjoyed it. I agree and I think the the biggest success of the show is having cast Felix Cameron because I always find having child or a very young um, character as the lead character of a story it sometimes becomes very difficult especially in a in a role as complex as the one as Eli who has to deal with domestic violence and abuse and bullying and all those things to be able to transmit as an actor those layers I feel like it's very very difficult and sometimes a, a child actor can be a miss and ruin the story but Felix does it in a very natural way you believe him it made me cry when he lots of the times but like especially when he says like oh I have all these tears in me and I, I was like he was so good like I I thought just casting him made the rest of the the cast work really well um but I also think um, Goss, I forgot the name of the actor, um, was amazing. Um, Lee, Lee Tiger Holly was great. And the mom, I thought the mom was fantastic. 
Yeah, I'm the same. I think, yeah, like I said, Phoebe Tonkins is the mom was a highlight to me because I think it's such a difficult role to play. And um, we feel like, you know, the drug addict mom who's like loved their son, but obviously has a crippling like health issues, so a fine one to tell. And um, yeah, Eli, the beating heart of the program, I think to have such soulfulness in the midst of such darkness was such a crucial part of the book. And if they had got that wrong, I think it would have just made the entire adaptation um, not have the right tone. But yeah, um, I'm loving all the local Australian productions as well. So I don't know if you've seen the other ones as that's recently come out like Heartbreak High I think compared to the other Netflix adaptations where it like some of the US ones feel so soulless this one that's like so vibrant it feels like a um you know just like a really well-invested um SBS sort of adaptation um maybe like a little bit nostalgic I was like oh yeah good Australian TV is great um when it wants to be and uh yeah I'm hoping hoping to see more like this deadlock from last year which was also amazing in a different way so many so many good things coming out from Australia what did you think about the length of the show did you think it was eight episodes was the correct one did you think from memory that some something was missing something like it could have been a movie what are your thoughts on that? I don't think a movie would have done it justice. It probably would have felt like they had to move to the adult Eli too soon to have that whole action sequence at the end, which does take up a bit of time. Um, and like we've all said, you know, that young actor playing Eli was really the heart of the program. So getting to spend more time with him and, and really set it up for the big finale was, was perfect for me. And I liked, again, how the episodes were different length to, to suit the content that needed to be in each episode. I, I thought the structure was great. I think it was, TV adaptation was the way to go because I think the thing with movie adaptation, because you have such little time, you have to be really good at picking out what to keep and what to get rid of. And I just feel like most of the time, people don't really know how to do that so with this one there was a little bit more space and then it meant that the characters had more space to develop as well so you got to know them through the series and you know it's like a time and consequence sort of book so it was good to see how things set up in the past impacted the future which I don't know if you could do that in a movie span of time I agree completely I'm gonna say the same thing yeah totally agree Okay, then. So I'll say something controversial, um, just because why not? What did we think about the, you know, the plot of the father driving the car into the dam? It didn't seem like it was really, I don't know, not, it wasn't like followed up on. There was no repercussions for him. Um, it seemed like they all just sort of forgave him and moved on. And I mean, he tried to kill his children, right? Or did they say that, oh, no, it was really just an accident? I think it was an accident. What do you mean? Oh, oh, I mean, I didn't read too much into it. Maybe I wasn't doing enough deep thinking. There was just a lot going on. And I did, I do think he had consequences because then he was away from his children for many years. But, but then eventually, you know, he kind of got back together with his ex. Is that really, I don't know, is that a good message to be sending out? 
So I think that was the thing that was done differently in the book to the series, which I am, I don't, well, I'm trying to remember. So I've not finished, I'm rereading, but I haven't finished it. Um, but I don't think they get back together in that because in, in the book, she actually, the mom actually goes back to Teddy. Um, whereas, yeah, so at least where I've reached to is like, yep, she's decided to go back to Teddy. Um, so yeah, my understanding, at least from memory, this is, I could be very wrong. Ella, you might remember better or maybe if you've read further, you might know. My memory is, yeah, it's still, yes, it was a panic attack. So I don't think he actually meant, he wasn't trying to hurt them or anything. He he did have a panic attack. It was an accident. And then, yeah, the consequences, I guess, were uh, not being able to see his kids anymore. And also then, you know, drowning in alcohol, uh, alcoholism. Um, but yeah, I don't think, yeah, I think in the, in the movie, uh, in the series, that bit about, yeah, the mom coming back and the happy families that probably was a bit, yeah, that didn't sit very well. And it could have, just kept it real and it's fine like if they're still separate but yeah so. yeah because I felt that here's this woman who's you know she's escaped one abusive relationship and then she goes straight into another one which used to also have all these problems I don't know I didn't like that and I hadn't remembered that happening in the book either so yeah it's interesting I'm still my I still am not quite sure what I think about all of that I think the book had the happy ending as well which was and then also the action pack sequence which is why I found it so insane and tonally discongruent with the rest of the book um yes um the ending did not place well with the rest of the book and the happy ending I think felt unrealistic or undeserved especially with the lead of events up to it but um if I think I actually can't remember, but I think in the book, they don't get back together together, but they sort of reconcile. But it is sort of like a family unit Um, in the end. Like the idea of them, I think, kind of tying it uh, back together again, which I was like, okay, <laughs> I guess after all that you put me through. Yeah, I think that's what I remember, that it was like they, you know, because they, they, they were friendly. together at... At yeah. the the town hall where all that big event happens, but they're not together as a couple, the mum and dad. Yes. Um, and I think it, for me, it was that scene where she went into his bed to read. You know, like, oh, my light's not working. Can I come and read my book in your bed? Like, I was like, really? Mm. I was just gonna say, I wonder whether that was just to make Simon Baker look good. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I was sure. just gonna say, I think maybe i'm being a bit fussy in the fact that we're we've watched it for to talk about on a podcast i'm picking it apart a little bit more like if i had have just watched it i would have gone oh okay i don't know if i agree with that but whatever no fair enough and i um just to close down i just want to give a big shout out to trent dalton for an amazing cameo at the end of the series very well done and um what so like we always end of our episode it's is it a yes or a no would you recommend the book the series both yes i would recommend both and i have recommended especially the book i think i recommended a lot especially in the early days but yeah i would recommend both yeah i'd recommend both as well i think it i think it's an interesting representation of australian literature it's different i think from everything else so i would recommend both just to get a feel of the landscape of what we can offer and i guess me with my instagram name know that i totally recommend the book and the series and anything else that 
uh, Trent has written, it's it's really good, regardless of what Ian says about the second <laughs> the second novel. We have arrived to one of our favorite sections of the podcast, which is what are we reading? But this time I want to do it a little bit different because it's the last episode of season three and we're going to have a break and we'll be back in May. So I just want to ask, uh, what are you looking, what are you reading, currently reading, if you are very keen on sharing, what are you reading but also would like to know what are you planning on reading in th this couple of months that will be on a break? I can start off if that's the case. I'm currently reading Burnham Wood by uh, Eleanor Catherine. Yes. Um, yeah. So we're reading that for book club for next month. And I think I'm halfway through it. Yeah. Uh, it's it's interesting so far. We'll see. Uh, but books I'm really looking forward to reading. So I've got to just this, that keeps changing, but I'm really looking forward to reading um, this collection of essays that I just got. Um, uh, it's a, uh, it's by Adele Dumont, uh, The Pulling. It's about her experience with trichotillomania. Uh, so really looking forward to reading that. Uh, and the other one I'm looking forward to reading is Kylie Orr's latest book, uh, which is more like a psychological thriller or domestic noir thriller, uh, The Eleventh Floor. So those are two books that I'm looking forward to reading, hopefully sooner rather than later, but yeah. Uh, I've got a little weekend away at the beach coming up next week. Uh, and so I've saved a couple of books that I've been looking forward to that I thought would just be perfect little beach reads. And so, you know, anyone who's listened to this podcast before knows I love Elizabeth Strout. Uh, and so I've saved Lucy by the Sea to read by the sea. I think that'll be very nice. Uh, and I'm also continuing to read all of Christos Schulkes's backlist uh, and I've got Barracuda, which I'll start while I'm away as well. I love Barracuda. Great book. Lots of people tell me it's their favourite, so my expectations are high. It's, it's not my favourite, but it's really good. Really good. What about you, Beb? Um, so currently I'm reading when an art um, not in love and that's a taylor swift inspired reading so it's like a renaissance based romance um that's queer that's really fun at the moment a um, little bit of cross-dressing involved which is one of my favorite tropes and then i think coming up um i'm diving into non-fiction a little bit so i've got a book called kinky history uh, which tracks like the history of sex. So with um, it's written by a mother-daughter duo. One's a statistician, the other one I think um has like a TikTok channel about sexuality through the ages. So I'm really looking forward to reading that. And then I have a couple of like um follow like follow-up novels that I've been meaning to get to. So one of them is called Family Meal by Brian Washington, who uh wrote Memorial I think back in twenty. 21 2022 which i loved so i'm looking forward to uh, catching up on his latest books i uh finished reading three women by lisa tadeo which is a non-fiction book that reads like fiction which was really good and uh funnily enough i just saw on stand that they this the series that uh based on the book has been released so i'm gonna be watching that one and i'm gonna be starting today Whale by um, South Korean author Cheon Meyong Kwan, which uh, I think was shortlisted for the Women's Prize last year. If I International remember. Booker. 
uh, international booker uh, last year, which was good. And I've been looking forward to reading this for a long time, but uh, the new life that Ian recommended me, the book has been on my shelf for a long time. And for one reason or another, I end up picking up something else. But yeah, that's what I've been looking forward to reading the next couple of months that will be on a break. Sanj, thank you so so much for joining uh, us today. I hope you had a good time. Thank you so much for having me. I won't hold normal people against you, this TV series, but that's fine. <laughs> thank, <laughs> but, uh, you. thank you so much for having me. <laughs> uh, and thank you everyone for listening to us. Uh, like um, we just said, we're going to have a break because Bev and I are going to have a little bit of a holiday overseas, but we'll be back in May. We're with more books to to comment we haven't decided which one but just keep um yeah keep watching social media but definitely not a straight white man because we've done two of them in a row yes definitely not <laughs> a straight white man but um yeah just keep keep listening to us thanks for listening to us and for, don't forget to subscribe leave a comment follow us on instagram and everything thank you so much and see you soon The book's baby theme music was written by Paul Smith and performed by Paul Smith and Ian Sykes. We acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the lands on which this podcast was recorded. We pay our respects to Indigenous elders past, present and emerging. Sovereignty has never been ceded. It always was and always will be Aboriginal land.